Well, good morning, Pillar DC. How's everybody feeling? Good, good, good. Happy New Year to you, by the way. What a, what a joy it is to uh, be gathered with you all this morning to uh, sing praises to our great King and God, the Lord Jesus, and to uh, yeah hear scriptures read and now to tune in to the preached word, right? And before, before we dive into God's word, I just want to, by way of thank you, just want to thank Pastor Jared and Pastor Thomas. Thank you guys for uh, this warm invitation to be here to preach God's word this morning. Uh, but then also thank you all and thank the whole church family as a whole for your partnership in the gospel. Uh, thank you for your support financially. Thank you for your prayers. Uh, thank you for your encouragement. Um, we couldn't do what we are seeking to do without God in Congress Heights and without you all's support and encouragement. So thank you guys for, for all that you do for us. Amen? Amen. Amen. So let's, let's now turn our attention to God's word. So if you have a Bible, let me go ahead and get you to turn to Hebrews chapter 12. And we'll be looking at verses 1 through 2 there. And as you turn there, let me ask God for his help again. Let's pray together. Father, we... Um, are so humbled that we uh, get to come together as your people to worship you uh, this morning. God, we thank you that you have called us to yourself uh, through Christ and his perfect sinless life and death and resurrection in our place, uh, that you have uh, given us ears to hear and eyes to see uh, the beauty of the Lord Jesus, and to be able to worship him this morning. And so, God, that's what we want to continue to do. Uh, we are here gathered to worship you. And so, God, we pray that through the preached word, uh, we would continue to worship you rightly. And, God, that uh, your word would do the work in all of our hearts, however you see fit. And so, God, would you help us to humble ourselves underneath your word, your authoritative word, uh, your life-giving word, your uh, changing, uh, changing us through your word, God. We just pray uh, that you would do all of those things how you see fit, and that at the end of it all, you would get the glory. And so, God, would you hide me behind the cross? Uh, would you increase and would I decrease in this time, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Hebrews chapter 12 reads as follows. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This is God's word. Amen? Amen. Amen. So uh, since we are still, you know, it's the new year, we're what, nine, nine days in or so, um, how many of you all, just a question, it's rhetorical, just think about it, how many of you all uh, do new year resolutions? You don't have to raise your hand, just internally kind of answer that. Some of you, if you're not familiar with the practice, um, you know, Webster's Dictionary defines New Year resolutions as this. It says, a promise to do something differently in the new year. A promise to do something differently in the new year. So there's something that you might have, 
you know, last year, you know, you might not have been able to do as well as you would have wanted to, or some different changes you wanted to make within your life, or goals you wanted to, to reach, et cetera, et cetera. So in 2022, you have resolved to do differently than you did in 2021, right? So then how many of you all, once again, rhetorical, how many of you all, since we're day nine in the new year, have already failed at keeping whatever resolutions or goals you have already made for yourself? This is no judgment, don't raise your hand, we don't wanna, but how many of us have already failed? trying to keep whatever those goals were or whatever those resolutions were. I don't do New, new Year resolutions, uh, no shade to anyone who does, uh, but when I did, I found them hard to keep up with. Found them hard to keep up with. Maybe a part of it for me was that resolutions tend to be based on things that we strive to do in our own strength versus relying and resting on God's strength to accomplish it in it and through us, right? Relying on God's strength to help us. So then when we don't keep up with it, uh, we are weighed down by shame or by guilt, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe some of you all could relate to that this morning. I don't believe God intends for us to start the new year out weighed down by shame and weighed down by guilt. I don't think that's God's intent for us. Some of us just need to rest more in God this year. Amen, amen. Some of us just need to rest more in God. You need to physically rest, and you need to spiritually rest in Jesus, who has done all the work for you and for me. So we need to receive that, we need to rest in that, and we need to rejoice in that. Rejoice in what Christ has done for us. So if you did make New Year resolutions, again, rhetorical question, how many of you had at the top of your list of your goals to live and to look more like Jesus this year? How many of you all had that at the top of your list? If you did New Year resolutions, I mean, isn't that, when we think about it, isn't that the most important goal ever? To look and to live and to be more like Jesus in 2022? So I believe our passage this morning in Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 will help us this morning think a little bit more about that goal. All right, so if you're, if you're taking notes this morning, here's the main idea of our passage is this. Keep looking to Jesus as you run the race of the faith. Amen. Keep looking to Jesus as you run the race of the faith this year in 2022. Two points to help guide our time throughout the passage. Really simple outline. One, run the race. And we'll see that in verse one. Run the race. And then two, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Verse two. So number one, run the race. Run the race. Look back with me at verse one. It reads, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So you see that word, therefore, uh, at the beginning of the text, verse 1, it's a word meant to, to point us back to all that's before it, right? It's a word that is meant to, to point us back to whatever is before, in this case, chapter 11. So it's similar to when someone says, I say this all the time, 
uh, is similar to when someone says, in light of this, now X, Y, and Z, right? In light of this, now do this. And in this case, the author of Hebrews tells us what that X, Y, and Z is in the next phrase, is that since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, all right? So this is uh, the start of subpoints, and so we have three subpoints underneath this point, and then three on the next one, and so that first one underneath this one is witnesses, witnesses. So the author includes himself as one who's surrounded by the cloud of witnesses. You see that word in the text there, it says we there. So the author includes himself there. And as one commentator comments, the word used here for witness uh, is martyrs, uh, you know, believers dying for the faith. And he quotes this, he says, the word used here for witness does not usually denote spectator, and yet the use of the imagery here presupposes such a meaning. I'm going to try to work this out. with the. So who are the witnesses? Who are the witnesses? Well, the author is referring to all of who was mentioned in chapter 11. Folks like Abraham, Moses, et cetera, et cetera. These brothers and sisters who are what some have called the hall of faith, the hall of faith. They were examples of those who believed God by faith, those who trusted God by faith. Even after reading some commentaries, I believe, yeah, after reading some of the commentaries that I read, even the, the witnesses may also refer to believers in the present day, right? Here, now. So witnesses all around us. We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. So that phrase, surrounded by a great cloud, is meant to express that it's a lot of people. It's a lot of people, a lot of witnesses, a lot of faithful witnesses, past and present, who have, who have journeyed with God and who are journeying with God. Here's the point by, by way of illustration. Just imagine if you and me were Olympic runners, right? We are Olympic athletes who are about to run a race. And we, as we're about to run the race, we, we look up in the stands and we see uh, a, a whole lot of other Olympic racers who have run the race and they are cheering us on. They're cheering us on as we are gearing up. All of us up here, we're about to run this race. They're cheering us on as we are seeking to, to run the race and as we are running the race. One commentator says, these witnesses who watch from the stands are those well qualified to inspire. They bear witness to the faithfulness of God in sustaining them. They are there as encouragers to present the contestants. So we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, faithful brothers and sisters who are encouraging us to run the race, to run the race well. So point number two, lay aside every weight and sin. Lay aside every weight and sin. So the text says, it says, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. I love how the New Living Translation version puts it. It says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that easily, so easily trips us up. Right? Let us strip that off. So continuing to think about that illustration of running a race, if you were running a race, you wouldn't put 50-pound weights on your shoulders, would you, when you run? 
You wouldn't put 50-pound weights on your shoulders. No, 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 you wouldn't do that because that would slow you down. It would make you heavy, and you wouldn't be able to run, right? It would weigh you down and keep you from running fast. So scholars debate on the difference, if any, between the words weight and sin in the text. Some see it uh, meaning two separate things. Some see it explaining what the weight is. They, they, they say that the, the sin is essentially explaining what the particular weight is. That's how some commentators uh, see it in that regards. One commentator on speaking about the difference says, one will restrict their activity. So the weights, one will restrict their activity. The other will mar their performance, the sin. The other will mar their performance. So one, the weights will, will hinder you from starting the race or even continuing. And then the other will damage your performance. The sin, it will damage your performance. It will taint your performance. That's what the quote is saying here. So all in all, we want to throw off everything that will hinder us from running the race well. We want to throw off everything. We want to strip off every weight and sin that will hinder us Christians from running the race well here in 2022. Some examples of weight and sin that some of us may need to throw off at the start of this year or right now. One, pride. Pride. And I am the chief of all sinners. I am first in line here. But some of us, we are proud and arrogant and boastful. Some of you all find it hard to ask others for help when you know you really need some help. You call it independence. The Bible calls it pride. Your pride can rob your church family of the opportunity to serve and care for you if you let it. And in the end, you're robbing yourself of that opportunity. Right? So God opposes the proud, but he gives grace. He gives grace to the humble. So may we all, family, rid ourselves of pride this year. Maybe rid ourselves of that. Number two, fear of people. Fear of people. And once again, let me raise my hand as one who struggles with this and have struggled with this throughout my entire life. Not that you fear people in the sense that you're afraid if someone will hurt you or anything along those lines, although that could be a legitimate fear as well. But more so, what the Bible calls fear of man or being a slave to people. So you are ruled by what people say or think of you or what you think they say or think of you. You're ruled by that. You're searching for their approval when the only approval you really need and I need is from God. Right? Again, as someone who struggles with this at times, this passage here has been and continues to be life-changing for me. This might be a familiar passage for you. So Paul in 1 Thessalonians 2, verses 3 through 6, he says, For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed, God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, 
though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. So you, you hear that? You hear that? Maybe this will free some of us this morning. You hear this? That we have been Christian. You have been approved by God. Your identity is in God, in Christ. And you have been approved by him. You don't have to seek to please people. You don't have to be bound by what people say or what you think people say or, you know, what they think or what you think people think. You don't have to be fearing people. You can be free from that this morning. God tells us elsewhere in his word to, to not be a slave to people. Be a slave to Christ. We're slaves to Christ. So may we not fear people. May we fear God. Maybe we have a, a holy reverence for God. Amen? So may we revere him more and more this morning. Number three, burdens or anxieties. Burdens or anxieties. Once again, we're still talking about weight and sin. And these are just a few examples of many of things we need to put off this year and continue to put off. This isn't just a one-day thing. This is a continual, lifelong journey, right? So burdens and anxieties. Once again, I'm at the front of the line on this. Your worries, your cares or burdens are weighing you down. Maybe for some of you even right now this morning. You came out of the old year, 2021, and I mean, man, we're still in this pandemic and just so many things that has been happening over these last couple of years. We come into 2022 and you're just anxious. You're weighed down burdens weighing you down. But these burdens, these anxieties aren't yours to carry. One, you and I can't carry them, right? But God delights in carrying them all for us. He's big enough to hold them and good and gracious enough to handle all your deepest worries. Give them to him this morning. Give them to him. Right? Sin here, as we continue on looking in the text, sin here is referring to all sin. So then what's sin? Sin is any thought, word, or action that breaks God's righteous standard. Right? Any, any word, any deed, any thought that breaks God's standard. And we've all, all of us have broken God's righteous standard, his commandments. You might be like, no, not me. I'm a good person. I've helped, you know, an elderly woman walk across the street, you know, during this snow season. I've, I've, you know, helped meet some physical needs in the community, giving back to the community. I've done, I've done all these particular things. I'm a good person. Well, that would go against what the Bible says about every human being, that you and I are not good, but God is, right? Think about Romans 3 there. And the reality of it is, if you've told a lie before, right, which I have a hundred thousand times or more, if you've told a lie before, then you've broken one of God's commands. But James 2.10 makes it clear that if you break one command, you're guilty of all ten of them, right? You're guilty of all ten of God's commands, his righteous standard. And then we think about Romans 3.23, it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we're all on the same level plane here. All guilty sinners before God. 
So we conclude that we're all sinful. We've broken God's law. So then why do we sin? Well, we sin because we are sinners. We sin because we are sinners. The reality of it is that we were all born sinners. We all were born sinners. God created us, right? He created everything in the whole entire world. He created all the trees, the mountains, everything, the the beauty that we see in that. He created you and me in his image, after his likeness, right? Created with the same worth and dignity and purpose, right? But we have fallen, right? We remember the story, Adam and Eve? God gave Adam a direct command, and he disobeyed, right? Adam and Eve disobeyed, and in their disobedience, basically wrecking it for everybody who was to be born after them, we all have inherited uh, their sin, and as a result, have also inherited their judgment, and we deserve judgment due before a righteous God. And this sin, like the reality of it is, uh, my, my son now is four, right? So he's getting big, he's getting tall, and he's a cute baby, you know, cute kid growing up getting big, but nobody had to teach him how to lie. He's already doing it. It's in him. And the reality of it is, is no one had to teach us how to lie. No one had to teach us how to steal. We are just born with this propensity to run away from God, to disobey God. And this sin, as the text says, clings so closely. It clings so closely. Other translations say it so easily entangles or easily trips us up. So all sin entangles. Uh, We can easily get caught up and tripped up if we're not careful. Bible scholars don't believe that uh, in this particular verse that it's it's referring to one particular sin, uh, like a besetting sin. We all struggle with sin as we've concluded above. But for some of us, you may have a particular sin struggle that you just find hard to shake, right? Something that entangles you and easily trips you up. So I don't want to disregard that. I mean, that could be, just to use an example, that could be pornography or any type of sexual sin um, that just easily trips you up, entangles you. God's presence, hear me, God's presence is greater than the temporary pleasure you're experiencing in sin. God's presence is greater than any temporary pleasure that you're experiencing in sin this morning. May we know that and believe that. So we want to throw off all sin. Sin hurts you. It hurts me. And it hurts others close to us. So don't give in to sin of any kind. Rid yourself of all sin. It always overpromises and underdelivers. Jesus, though, offers a better promise, and he always comes through on his promises. Always. He's faithful. And we'll see that even more in just a a few minutes as we continue to walk through the passage. So the last sub-point here, run with endurance. Run with endurance. Look back at the text with me. It says, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So we got a banging support group, right, the cloud of witnesses, all right? And we got to do away with all sin, anything hindering us, the, the weight, and kill sin in our lives daily. And as we do, we must run. We must run with endurance. We must run like Forrest Gump, 
run like Forrest Gump. You all may have seen the movie. Uh, some of you all, I'm not, uh, if, if not, sorry for the spoiler on, on this scene, but it's that famous scene, right? When little Forrest Gump was, was running away from the bullies, he had on leg braces to correct his spine or something along those lines because he couldn't walk properly, right? When the bullies come, the little girl tells him to run, right? You could probably hear it in your head right now, huh? She said, run, Forrest. And he starts going. He starts booking, right? As he runs, you hear her in the background saying, run, Forrest. And as he looks back and sees the bullies coming closer, they're inching closer and closer and closer. All of a sudden, those leg braces just fall off. And he just keeps running. He runs so fast. He's running fast like flash, gone. So we must run, Christians. We must run this race. And as you run, run with endurance. Run with endurance. Some translations say perseverance there. The idea here is to put in some effort, to put in some effort. No athlete is going to be a successful athlete if he or she doesn't train. Not going to be successful if you don't train or if they don't put in some type of effort, right? It's the same for the Christian. If you want to run the race well this year in 2022, if you want to live and look more like Jesus this year, then you're going to have to put in some effort. You're going to need to pick up your Bibles and read it regularly. You're going to need to spend some time in prayer faithfully, right? Spending time in prayer faithfully. Going to need to gather with God's people regularly and fight in the spirit to live a holy life. Going to have to do that. Now, you and I won't be able to do any of this in our own strength. Uh, we must trust in God. I love how Paul instructs us here in Philippians 2, 12 through 13. He says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So put in some work, but trust and rest in God's work, which then enables you to work. Amen? Trust in God to grant you the grace, Christian, to read your word more this year, to pray fervently, to gather with God's people often, regularly, and trust the Spirit to help you as you seek to fight sin. Do that. May we all do that more and more. So also the idea of running with endurance means to run in the midst of challenges, in the midst of life's hardest moments, right? And in 2020 and 2021, we've all had some hard moments, haven't we? We've all had some, some challenging moments. There will be more in 2022. I'm sure of that. But keep running despite the hard moments. God will be with you. He will help you. He will sustain you. So keep trusting him. May we all keep trusting him. Lastly, notice that this isn't a race that you and I have ordained. 
The text tells us it was set before us. It was set before us. God is the sovereign creator. God is in control. Even so that he ordained the very Christian race we are running. He's ordained it. He's laid out the path. May we follow him. The idea here is to press on, to press forward to the end and receive your reward, which is God. He is our reward. So keep running with endurance faithfully, knowing that in the end you will receive your reward, him, himself. Here's how Paul put it in Philippians 3, 12 through 14. He says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So may we continue to press forward to Christ. Amen? Press on. Press on. Some of the people who you may know personally or from afar stopped running in 2021. They stopped running in 2021. Uh, they turned away from Jesus. Sadly, this meant that they may not have known him from the start because to truly know Jesus and stop following him may mean that you may not have known him from the very beginning. No one who truly sees Jesus in all his beauty and all his splendor stops running. You might have some hard times, and we will. You may have some challenges, but you keep pressing in knowing that God is with you and that Man, he is our reward, and we can trust him. We can trust his faithfulness to keep us and sustain us. So when you see or hear people falling away from the faith, don't panic. Don't lose hope. Pray for them that God would indeed save them, right? Keep sharing the good news with them. Keep loving and keep running the race. Some who you may know still bear the name of Christian and have drifted away from some Christian teaching, right? Uh, they got caught up in some false teaching uh, that on the surface may sound like it's still sound and sound like it's good, but there's something that's been added, and it's essentially made it off. They were once hype men and hype women for the gospel, right? For gospel centrality, for Christ-centered and church-centered teaching. But they have gone away from that. Again, don't fret. Don't worry. Pray for them that they would indeed return to the truths of Scripture they once proclaimed. Keep sharing the truth with them and modeling it before them. Don't get distracted. Keep running. Keep running. May we all keep running. And as we do, may we look to Jesus. May we look to Jesus, which leads to our second and final point this morning. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. And if you don't mind, one second, I need to take a sip of this water. I have bad allergies. 
So let me, let me work on that before we dive into this second point. All right, so look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. So look back with me at verse 2. Here's what it says. It says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So in a race... You're not running, looking on each side when you're running, right? You, when you're running a race, you're not going to be running and looking left and looking right or looking behind you. No, you're looking forward. Your gaze is on the finish line. So it is with the Christian. As we run, we are to look to Jesus. You look to Jesus in the beginning of the race uh, when you first believed, and then you keep looking to Jesus throughout your Christian walk. One translation says this. It says, fixing your eyes on Jesus. So our gaze is to be on him at all times. Right? And what's really dope about this is that we're looking to someone who can relate to us. Right? He can relate to us in any way. So Jesus is God. He's fully God. And he's fully man fully divine, fully human, and in his humanity, he knows the race far greater than we could ever imagine. He knows it. And, and we'll see this more and more in just a second, that he's the, the founder and perfecter of our faith, right? But he knows how it feels to be mistreated, and he knows what it means to be treated unjustly. He knows what it feels like to be tempted by sin, but not give in because he's God, sinless and perfect. I mean, just listen to verses three through four of this chapter. So just a few verses down. We're not studying those this morning, but just listen. It says, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood, right? Then Hebrews 4.15 tells us that Jesus is able to sympathize with our weaknesses, right? It says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin, yet without sin. So we must look to Jesus, and then the passage continues to tell us more reasons why we must look to him. And this is the start of a few subpoints here to bring us home in just a moment. But one, founder and perfecter of our faith. Founder and perfecter of our faith. Some translations say author in the place of founder. Uh, the word means that he is the pioneer. So he's the, he's the trailblazer of the faith. Uh, the word faith here is meant to, excuse me one second, sorry. Bad allergies, year round. So he's the trailblazer of the faith. 
the, the, the word faith here is meant to describe the whole span of the Christian journey, right? So, you know, sometimes when we uh, describe the faith, we describe the faith as it relates to the faith, you know, so the word here is meant to describe the faith, the whole span of the Christian journey. And he has granted believers faith and trust in the gospel, right? So he's the pioneer of the former saints, like those that we mentioned, right, back in chapter 11. He inspired the Old Testament saints and gave them hope then and in something better that was to come. He is also the perfecter of our faith. He took the faith of the Old Testament saints and ours today and brought it to completion. So look just above chapter 12, verse 1, at chapter 11, verse 39 through 40. Here's what it reads. It says, And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. So he perfected it by doing something that was necessary. And what that was necessary was that he endured the cross. So subpoint number two, he endured the cross. Jesus became the ultimate once and for all sacrifice to provide salvation for humanity and satisfy the judgment of God due to all sinners. In the Old Testament, saints would sacrifice bulls and goats to atone for sin. Sacrifices go all the way back to Genesis 3, where God himself provides the first sacrifice. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm referring to? Right? So, so God uh, creates everything, creates humanity in his image, after his likeness. We are fallen. We rebel. As a result, we, uh, result, we inherited sin. We inherited their judgment due to sinners. Right. And what does the word tell us there that happened to the first uh, man and woman, our first parents, Adam and Eve, is that they try to run and they try to hide. At one point they were naked and unashamed. Now they are naked and ashamed. Right. And what did they do? They tried to cover themselves with fig leaves. They tried to cover themselves with fig leaves. But God runs after them. He comes to them. He calls out to them. He condemns them, but then comforts them. How does he comfort them? Well, the text tells us there he clothes them. He clothes them. So Genesis 3, 21, it's what I'm referring to. It says, and the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. So at one point they were trying to cover themselves with fig leaves. They're they're in their sin. They're ashamed. They're feeling the guilt of that, the weight of that. But the clothes that are mentioned here weren't made out of fig leaves. Those clothes, right? It says here, garments of skins. So God sacrificed the animal to provide for Adam and Eve to provide a covering for them. A redemptive covering, a covering that would point to the ultimate covering that he would provide in the Lord Jesus. And this is what he did in the Lord Jesus. He sent his perfect son to live a perfect sinless life and to die the death that you and I deserved on the cross for our sin. 
because Jesus had no sin for which he needed to die for, but he went to the cross willingly and willfully to die for your sin and for my sin, right? So this sacrifice that Jesus made was the ultimate sacrifice. The Old Testament sacrifices with the bulls and goats and all those different things were a foreshadow of the ultimate once and for all sacrifice that came in the Lord Jesus in his death and in him dying but being raised from the dead on the third day for your justification, for my justification, that we might be declared righteous before God. Free from sin, free from shame, free from guilt. And this sacrifice was made for our sin. I mean, do you feel the weight of that this morning? Do you, do you hear that, believers? Do you feel that? Do you hear the good news that's good news every day for us? We never, may the gospel never grow stale to you and me, Christian. May we never think that we can outgrow our need for the gospel. We need the gospel daily. And if you're here and you're not a Christian, I pray that you would feel the weight, that you would feel the weight of your sin and your sin, uh, yeah, your sin opposes God in his ways that you would feel the weight that, man, God would be right and just to crush you because of your sin, but instead he, cr- he crushed another in your place. He crushed Jesus in your place. And the Bible says if you repent, which is a biblical word that means to turn away from sin and to turn to him in trust, in belief, in faith, solely in what Christ has done alone on the cross for you, The Bible says if you repent and turn away from those things and turn to him, that you would be saved. That you would be saved. That you would be forgiven of all your sin, past, present, future. And that you'll be given eternal life. That you'll be given eternal life. So if you haven't trusted Jesus for salvation, would you? Would you? Make the best decision you could ever make this year. Trust Jesus for salvation. The best decision you could ever make. Turn from your sin. And turn to him by faith. If you did that or if you would like to learn more about how you can do that, talk to the pastors here. Talk to Pastor Jared. Talk to Pastor Thomas. Talk to the Christian friend that brought you here this morning. And they would gladly share more of what that means to follow Jesus. And as believers here, may we keep trusting in the righteousness of another, not your righteousness or my righteousness, We don't have any, but we need to trust in Jesus' righteousness in our place. May we keep resting in the finished work of Christ on the cross that granted us faith and that sustains our faith and that will bring us into his presence forever. And may we also, yeah, not just hear it and continue to believe it. We, We need to do that, but may we also share it. May we also be faithful in sharing it more and more this year so that many might come to know Jesus so they may live and look more like Jesus this year. Lastly, he's seated on the throne. He's seated on the throne. Here's what the text says. It says, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. 
Jesus is seated on the throne of heaven right now. Right now. He is the son of God seated at the right hand of God the Father. In all his power, in all his majesty, in all his dominion. So something that I want to point out really briefly here is that, you know, the Bible here, we see it here and we see it all throughout scripture uh, that God has displayed himself in Trinity as a Trinity. Uh, one God, three persons, one essence, three persons, right? We see this here that so God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. And this is what Christians believe, right, that God has displayed himself as one being, three distinct persons. So God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. So one being, three distinct persons. And we see this here listed here that we see two people listed here, right? We see the Father and we see the Son here in our passage. And this is another sermon for another time. But I suffice to say that even here we see that this passage proves Jesus' divinity, that he is indeed God. He's seated on the throne, right? Only God could satisfy the wrath of God, right? Only God could sit in the presence of God. And he is seated on the throne where he is reigning. If you would like to learn more about that, talk with me, talk with the pastors after the service. We'd love to talk more about what the Trinity is and what that means. But then I would encourage you, read the book of Hebrews. Read Hebrews chapter 1 to see the beauty of the Father and the Son. Read the Gospel of John and see the beauty of the Trinity listed in the Gospel of John. So Jesus, in all his power, and majesty sits on the throne and is reigning as king who defeated all of our enemies, sin, the grave, and he will do away with Satan for good, right? So he's reigning, he's ruling, and he will be returning for his people, for his people. So in light of all of this, Jesus is victorious, Right? Jesus is victorious. So may we, because he is victorious, may we run the race this year and may we run it looking to Jesus. And as we look to him, we'll look more like him. And as a result of looking more like him, we'll live more like him. So may we resolve, family, Christians, non-Christians, to look and live more like Jesus this year. May we resolve to do that. May that be our resolution for this year and for many years to come. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this morning. Uh, thank you for this time to uh, gather with uh, your people to uh, yeah, talk about your goodness and your mercy, uh, to think with one another about what it means to run this race in Christ. God, I pray uh, that, yeah, believers were edified. I pray that uh, believers were encouraged this morning from your word, challenged this morning from your word, that we are all challenged and encouraged from your word. And I pray, God, that you would help us to run the race well this year, no matter what may come. And it will come. Things will come. Help us to keep our eyes on Jesus 
Help us to look to him. Help us to gaze upon him every moment, every second, every hour, every day. And for non-Christians in the room, God, I pray that you would save them, that you would bring them from death to life in your son, and that, yeah, that they would look upon him this morning for salvation, and that they would continue to look upon him as they journey with you for all their days. God, we thank you for this church and how you are moving and working in this church, God. Continue to bless this church. Continue to be faithful to adding daily to those that are being saved. Continue to keep the pastors of this church and the leaders of this church looking to you. Help them to not waver, to not be shaken by what's happening in the city or around the world or happening in their lives personally. Keep them, uh, yeah, keep them constant in you, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would do that for them and do that for the body here. And we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.